Hello and welcome to another episode of What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. Hello, I am Gabriel Sanders, and I'm putting out a trigger warning about the content in this episode. In this conversation I have with Ty Collins, there is some pretty heavy stuff. So I'm putting out this trigger warning. We briefly talk about suicide, attempted suicide, Ty's experience in a mental health hospital, and also when he witnessed someone shoot up heroin. So that's the trigger warning. So please, if you want to stop here, that's totally cool. I'll catch you on the next one. Ty is a good friend of mine, and I wouldn't put him in any situation where I forced information out of him, and I would never and have never coerced anyone to reveal information that was uncomfortable for them to talk about. After every talk I have for the show, I ask my guest, if there's anything you'd like to take out of the talk for whatever reason, to please let me know, and I'll go ahead and do that. But so far, thankfully, those that I've talked to have been cool with everything they've shared. People come onto my podcast to talk to me and share their quote-unquote normal life situation, but knowing that I have an audience, well, a growing audience, maybe a handful of people, but it is still a podcast and people are listening. Ty is a great guy. He's a great guy to know, and he does shine a beautiful smile And more importantly, he was brave, really brave, to reveal these personal experiences. So it gets heavy. The talk gets heavy, but we have an amazing conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to this wonderful talk as much as I did. You know, sometimes listening is more important than having the conversation. If you just listen to someone speak, it's more important than cutting in with your own experience. I need to work on that. I need to work on that when I'm talking with my wife as well, to just listen and take it in. Because listening, I believe, to someone is is like medicine to help soothe whatever the person is troubled about or just being in the moment with them and hearing their story. There was a, a movie called Hero with Dustin Hoffman. And in that movie, uh, it's mentioned the philosophy of that we're all an onion. And if you peel the onion or allow someone else to peel their onion, what happens is you get closer to the truth, the core of their being. You get closer to that sweet core. And you know what happens when you peel an onion? You start tearing. You cry. And crying is allowed. No matter who you are, crying is allowed. Anyway, Ty is a good friend of mine and we had a heartfelt conversation A fun one, a deep one, a revealing one. He lives in a van by choice, that's his normal, and he doesn't feel weird about it. And we learn the hows and the whys of how he got there. And his tales from the van. He has backpacked around the world and he shares with us about the people he's met along the way. He has been in two major motorcycle accidents as well. His perspectives and reflections of life are wonderful to take in and think about. But you're going to learn all of this and more in this fascinating episode titled The Call of the Void. Ty talks about that call, that voice, and the power it has and had over him once. Just There's just so much in this media conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Ty is also an opera singer. 
His voice will melt your heart. So please enjoy his vocal gift before and after my talk with him. Thank you for listening. Hey, Ty Collins. Hey, hey. hey <laughs> So you're just telling me before about how, how do you do warm-ups? You do vocal warm-ups because you're an opera singer and you do vocal warm-ups. Do you do vocal warm-ups every day? Uh, I try to warm-up every day, yeah. If usually, usually I try to do between 10 and 15 minutes of warm-ups, um, sometimes in the shower, depending on where I live, depending on who's around, because I don't like to disturb people because it can be quite loud sometimes. So, and, and, and obnoxious, but you know, you gotta, to me, it's important to warm the voice up because it's like a muscle. So like, you wouldn't just go run a mile, just run out of your house and like run around the block and run a mile. You'd have to like stretch, you know, get up, stretch your legs out. It's the same thing. Yeah. So where are you living now, Ty? Uh, in Texas. Uh, I was living in New York, uh, on the streets in a van, yeah. but I, uh, after COVID happened, I went to... I guess it was like March 14th, March 17th, some shit like that. Around March, yeah. mid-March when all when COVID happened, I, uh, I headed up to the Appalachian Trail and I parked my van and then just backpacked up in the woods and I was kind of hanging out in the woods, making campfires and you know sleeping in a tent for a couple days, catching squirrels and eating them. No, I didn't really catch any squirrels. No, okay. I believe you for a second. <laughs> that's, that's totally illegal in the forest. You can't do it. You're not supposed to do that. I'm sure, I'm sure people do. I don't. Sure I, people do. I like to like leave wildlife yeah. as it is. Um, no, but um, so I was doing that. And then, you know, there was like, uh, there was the news articles, like 100,000 infected, 200 dead. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out. So I jumped to the van and hightailed it back to Texas where my family lives. And I'm living in Elgin. And I got a little recording space in Bastrop. And by recording space, I mean this big open reverberant hall. So everything comes out reverberant and echoey. <laughs> well, it's good for recording echoes. So let's backtrack. Um, so the key thing you said there is that you lived in a van. How did you... I mean, wait, for all intents and purposes, I do live in a van. Like, I don't really have a residence. You still I live, live in, in a van. van. I sleep in a van out, out in front of my parents' place. You do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you once told me that you live in a van, but if someone invites you to stay at their place, you still need to sleep in the van because that's your comfort zone. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to remember, you're probably going to sleep the best at home. Right. Like, and I know you know this because you travel around, you know, your family's in Florida, yeah. work in New York. Yeah. So you get it and like, you know, you can get all the Airbnbs you want, but it's never going to be as comfortable as your bed back home knowing that your girls are just around the corner, your wife right. is next to you. It's, there's things like that. Like for me, it's, I know that when I'm in my van, it's my bed. Yeah. Know where the bathroom is. I know where my clothes are. You know, I don't have a whole lot of possessions so, or a wife or kids, but I have my little space and it's my space, you know? So yeah. to me, it's home. So I'm most comfortable there. And I've been in your van. 
it it's quite a pad yeah uh, you really make you really make use of the space so tell us tell me and tell everyone who's listening the uh the handful of listeners how did you find yourself if you're if you don't mind me asking how did you find yourself living in a van and describe the van as well let's see the interior it is a dodge dodge 1500 dodge ram 1500 uh conversion van so it's got like a higher roof than a normal van but not so high that i can stand up in it basically i have a bed not long ways but short ways because i'm just short enough where you know i can roll up in a sleeping bag during the winter curl up and i've got plenty of space I think if someone was six foot, they'd have a rough time living in a van. Mm. But me being short, it's not so bad. Um, and I'm only like 5'8", so it's not, I'm not that short, but I'm not tall. I'm 5'8", as well, so I, I understand. No. Right, right. So, so yeah, you, you, uh, you, uh, you get it. But yeah, no, I, so I just, I just have a couple um, Ottomans where I have all my clothes, you know, mm. and so I can sit on them and read books and kick my feet up. But then, you know, I've got a guitar, so I can play guitar. Um, and a little battery-powered amplifier. Although now I just built some solar panels over this over this COVID holiday. I went and ordered all the separate parts, and then found some wiring diagrams and soldered a bunch of stuff. Cold soldered, you know, built this whole like solar power wow. generator. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Next time I next time I see you, I'll show you. Um, you solar powered your van? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, solar powered the van. Yeah. So wow. now I can like instead of running it off the car battery and like wondering whether or not it's going to start in the morning. Right. Now I can run stuff off the solar panels. It's super dope. And it's a backup battery in case my car battery has an issue. How did you find yourself? That was, if anyone's listening, that was ice. That you're, you're drinking some, some drink out of a cup with ice. Ah, yes. <laughs> so how did you find yourself and when? You're 30? 30, early 30s? I'll be 35 in October. You, you look so young. <laughs> it's this, it's this, it's this regimen of, of gorgeous... Gorgeous beard and undone hair that hasn't been cut in months now. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. No. You want to know the secret to being young? Yeah. What? Okay, everyone. Here's the secret. Here's Ty Collins' secret to being young. Go this for it. the secret to being young. It's not really my secret. This is just what I follow. Sex in the City. You seen this TV show? I know of the TV show. There's a character on it named Samantha. And in one episode, someone asks her how she has no wrinkles and as old as she is. Yeah. And she says, honey, you just have to keep a smile on your face. And she's always smiling. And I took that, it was genius. Wow. I personally live by that. Always keep a smile on your face and you'll stay young forever. That's the trick. Let's sidestep for, for a minute, but the, the whole van and DM details, the Wikipedia of the van as you were, but um, right. and get, get into, you, you took this one line and I, and I do that too. I take one line and I hold on to that one line and that changes everything for me. In fact, this show, what's normal, with Gabriel Sanders, say the whole thing. Um, started with a line, two lines actually. One was from a book and one was from a movie. The one from a movie, which was a very silly comedy back in the back in the 90s, and it was a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the heart. And that stuck with me because your your words, people's words, you could say one word for one second, and someone else could hold on to that for their lives. And then I was thinking about how many times was I called weird in my life? And now I was going through that. And, I, and also I reflected on a book I found, uh, the title of a book, uh, Normal is Just a Setting on Your Dryer. And that line also stuck with me. There's no normal. Really, what does that even mean? Normal is a setting on your dryer. Like what, what, is, what is normally having your clothes done? Right. Well, it's- As opposed it's, to like super clothes done. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
the right i don't know what the normal setting of, of how, how i want my t-shirts done ultra <laughs> <laughs> if there's a normal setting is there a weird setting you know can you <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> Your, your underwear come out and the holes in the back. What yeah, the hell happened here? It's weird. It's all painted. It looks like a clown. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> so grabbing that one line of, of a movie, I really, I could really relate to. But she said, smile, and that'll, that'll keep your face yeah. looking youthful. Yeah. And now I want anybody out there who's listening to this and knows and loves Sex and the City, that is not a direct quote. I don't actually remember the direct quote. This is what I took from, yeah. from what that yeah. scene was. Whether or not that's actually what was said, I don't know, but that's what I took from it, and I think it's a great thought. Plastered all over your walls are pictures of Samantha from Sex and the City, right now. I right. can see I can see Samantha behind you. I can see yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see the quote that you just quoted from Samantha from the show all over your room. So right. I read it every day, and I, I read the quote every day on the ceiling <laughs> and look at pictures from the show. <laughs> but as far as what I know about you, Ty, is that you do smile all the time i rarely have seen you not smile i mean unless we having a you're having a bad day or something i understand that but more often sure. than not you hold a smile yeah you hold a smile well you know and that's not to say like I, it's like bubble or anything because I, mean, I think to some extent we all kind of create bubbles in general to yeah. keep ourselves happier to have that have that feeling of like oh because we are we are uh we are creatures of herd right like we're human beings are herd animals you know, right. so we'll tend to surround ourselves with others that are like ourselves. Right. But on the other hand, I also try to extend my influence, as I guess I can kind of put it, out to other circles and try to understand other people. I like to be proven wrong. I like someone to like come after me because I'm like, oh, okay, that forces me to rethink the way that I deal with my personal reality, you know, and subsequently the reality around me, which affects other people. That's, that's beautiful. And I don't always get it right. I often get it wrong, but constantly getting it wrong causes you to reflect and rethink and rework on yourself to do better, to do better next time. I try not to make the same mistake twice. That is a very good, very good way of being. Uh, the fact that you could be open to the fact that you are a work in progress. Right. Well, right. and you know, and, and to bring it to bring it full circle to your question earlier of how I ended up in a van, there uh, there's, there's some details there that I'll leave out, but, uh, I just found myself in a place where I wasn't really doing anything that I wanted. I was living a life for other people, by other people. And I think that's kind of normal in American society. You know, we, we grow up, we're told by those who came before us, this is how life is, this is what you're supposed to do. First, you go to school. Then you go to, then you go to uh, yeah, sorry, first you go to elementary school and you're programmed with all this information. Then you go to middle school, then you're programmed with all that information. Then you go to high school and then they layer on another, uh, another set of programming, but it's based on the same type of thinking. Okay, yeah. It gets you to think a certain way. It's, that's the, the ideology of being a person in a place. You know, every single place on the planet has it. You can't escape it. You're programmed by your environment to be a certain way. You know, it's that whole uh, nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. That's the nurture side of it. I think there's a nature side of it, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that in this exact moment. But anyway, so with the nurture side, you know, you're programmed this way. And then after that, you know, you, you go to college and you get a degree. Then you use that degree to go get a job. And after you have a job, then you go get a wife if you're a man or a husband if you're a woman. And then you have some kids and then you teach those kids to do the same thing. So well, you know, I, well, in in this, just to interrupt. In this, you know, it doesn't have to be a man or woman, but right, right, right. So of course, of course, of course. Well, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm just this is I'm speaking. You're talking about the standardized. 
Exactly. I'm talking the standardized way, like the the quote unquote atomic family of quote, American unquote, life. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, no, this is not my personal belief as to how things should be by any means. But I, uh, but it's it's funny, you know, because you know you go and you get the house and you get out the big loan and you pay off the mortgage and then what? You know, I, I just that's. <sighs> like the office job where you sit in the cubicle and stare at the wall i've never been able to do that kind of thing yeah, you know yeah. i've gone off and on more than a couple times in my life how i sold everything i own down to like a couple down to all my recording equipment you know and um jumped in a backpack and mailed myself somewhere you know first it was over to europe i spent some time in italy i spent some time in germany um and then it was you know i mailed myself to new york for for five years and i guess the whole to bring it full circle, Van was me kind of realizing that I'm still like jumping through those same hoops that are being held up by the people around me. And, you know, I myself have on more than one occasion said, you know, I really just want to live in a van and be a hippie gypsy. And no, you can't do that. That's a bad idea for this, this. I'm like, oh yeah. you're." And it got to a point where, you know, some things happened and I was like, I'm sick and tired of listening to everybody else. I'm going to do what I want, regardless of how bad, quote unquote, the idea is, I'm going to go do that. So, I, you know, had a little bit of money in the bank, went out and bought a van, and the first, I'd say, week was terrifying. Because no, sure. like, driving around trying to like live in New York City, I didn't know where to park. I, I hadn't, I never really driven in the city before that, other than a small stint on, on a motorcycle that I wrecked. Um, well, yeah, let's I, get into that if we want to. You've had two major wrecks on motorcycles. I have had two major wrecks on motorcycles, yes. yes. And both, and somehow, I've managed to keep this beautiful smile. Oh, beautiful. It's a beautiful space, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, when I was in college, I was 20 years old, and I bought a 1980 Honda CB754 Custom. This motorcycle was absolutely gorgeous, not a scratch on it. One of the most beautiful motorcycles I've ever driven through the side of a car. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, made, I was out getting a chicken sandwich, and I ate the chicken sandwich. I was thinking about my life and how amazing everything was, except for some things that I really wanted to get away from. And, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a really religious person, but I am spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in, you know, uh, I, I do believe there's like energy that's much larger than all of us, sure. not only from a scientific point of view, but, you know, on the spiritual point of view too. And um, I, uh, I remember thinking, you know, I just could really use some help on this other stuff. I don't know how to get myself out of this situation, but, you know, I'm willing to um, just just give me a sign. And, you know, I made a right turn on the street after I finished my chicken sandwich and opened up the throttle. And a kid who was unlicensed, uninsured, um, I, from what I recall, I don't even think he even had a green card. He's a Spanish kid. Um, and he, he made a left-hand turn in front of me, and I T-boned his car. Didn't have a helmet on, just a pair of glasses. I went to the side of I went to the side of his car, had my jaw nearly ripped all the way off. My from the corner of my mouth all the way down to my collarbone was completely open. I mean, I should have been way dead. You know, they yeah. said they were saying at the hospital that had I been going like ten miles an hour faster or slower, I'd have been dead, without a doubt. Even because I would have hit yeah, well, because if I would have hit the like the the metal frame of the door, right, I'd have been toast rather wow. than hitting the, the window, like my, my skull would have splashed on the car rather than mm. like going through the window and being, you know, torn up. So that was that yeah. one. But, um, and you know, I, I, I hold no animosity. I get it. You know, there's people out there. No, he wasn't exactly following the rules. 
Yes, it probably could have been prevented if he wasn't on the road, but you know, we're all just here trying to survive like human beings. We're all here just trying to survive and it's not made any easier by the powers that be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to go into that, all, all that stuff, but That's I think the world could be a lot easier place to live and there could be a whole lot less issues if, I don't know if everybody just chilled out for one, but, yeah. um, but so the other motorcycle accident, I was, uh, this was last July. I was on a, uh, a 1977 Honda 554 custom. <laughs> so, so I met you soon after that. Yeah. Yeah. You accident. Accident. It was in July. Yeah. That and was in July. I met you in November, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I had, I had worked on, I was a boom operator for a couple shows before meeting you as the utility on that thing with Ben. But uh, yeah, no, I was, I was messed up, man. Like the problem was I was on a motorcycle and this is for everyone out there who wants to ride a motorcycle, loves it. It is amazing. It is fun, but just take care of the machine because if you don't, it can collapse beneath you. And that's what happened to me. Wow. So the first was somebody else's fault. The second accident was a thousand percent my fault. I was on a machine I shouldn't have been on in its condition. Furthermore, and this is <laughs> a testament to the other side of my personality, mm-hmm. aside from like the dude who's like, I like to make music and take it easy. I also often will answer the call of the void. And it was like, hey man, how fast do you think this motorcycle goes? I was like, I don't know, let's find out. <laughs> and so oh. that's how that accident happened. Okay. Going too fast and the bike had a malfunction and I went over the front at a high rate of speed, probably like 80 miles an hour. I think that's maybe what I slowed down to, who knows? Mm. And I skipped and bounced and slid across the pavement, you know, lost a bunch of skin. And you know, that accident actually hurt way more than the first one. Yeah. The first one was like I was knocked out and it sucked. But like the yeah. second one, I would just kept waking up on fire for like a week, man, just yeah. burning, burning. It's all road yeah. rash, you know, burns. All over. All over. I mean, not all over, but like my elbows are rashed out, my shoulder, part of my stomach. Yeah. You know, not on my face. I had a helmet on that time. But I think if I didn't have a helmet on in that wreck, I'd have Oof. been, yeah, yeah it would have been bad, man. I'd have been yeah. fucked up. Oops, yeah. sorry. That'd you be can bad. I, okay. I, I would have been messed up. I, I, I don't want to curse on your show. I want to be a okay. good one. I got to, I got to. Yeah, we have to maintain a certain level of decorum on what sure. is normal. Of course. You said something, you said something about um, why you're on that bike and you revved up the bike and, and that voice that spoke to you. What was that? You're answering the void? What was that called? It's known, it's known uh, as the call of the void. Everyone yeah. has it. Some people may not want to admit they have it, but everyone has it. And it's like that little, it's that little voice or that little wonder, as it were, like... I know what the consequences of this, but I wonder what would happen if I just like swerved my car into oncoming traffic. I'm writing that down. The call of the void. Call of the void. You should you should should look it up. It's good stuff. But like, you know, sometimes, you know, this is (laughs) I shouldn't be admitting this actually out out in public, but I really wake it's funny. You know, I'll be holding the boom pole. And as you know, as someone who works in film, a boom pole is a highly conductive object. Mm -hmm. You know, it's made of like carbon fiber. It says Mm -hmm. on it, do not touch, like beware of power lines. And I've, there's been several times I'm working, I'll look up and see power lines above me and be like, I wonder if I should try to touch that power line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I know, I know intellectually, like, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, for, uh, for many reasons, you know, yeah. not only for, like personal safety, but the safety of those around you. But that, that, that thought, that thought is known as the call of the void. So when you're standing on a cliff, I know I'm not supposed to fall off this cliff. I'm not supposed to stare from the edge, but here I am at the edge. What if I just like try to jump into that water down there? You know, is it, is it possible to make it? 
And that's like, to me, it's, um, it's a very human thing. It makes us realize our mortality and helps you know right. where you stand in the grand scheme of the universe, you know? Right. I think human beings like to think that we're these omnipotent creatures because we can manipulate our environments and do all this really neat stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're kind of still in the Stone Age. You know, there's still people living in swamp water because human beings still think that they're beyond all this stuff. But as a civilization, we're not much better than like the wolves and the things that run around in the forest as wild animals. We just pretend that we aren't. I call that the what if voice. I mean, I, I can admit to say that my voice, my whatever voice that is, the what if voice, the call of the void does speak to me sometimes. And, you, and then your mind goes there for a little bit. And then, and then what, and then, and then whatever other voice it is, your natural uh, being voice, I don't know whatever, what voice you want to call that, stops it. Nope. Let's come back to reality. Okay. All right. We, we played that for a second. Or maybe sometimes the call of the void is something so off the charts, unlike you at all, that you're even scared by it. And like, why did I just go there? Yeah. Oh, no, I totally have that, too. And what's funny is, like, I think, I think when you think way out like that, that's your mind doing the same kind of exercise as it should do with anything. Mm. You know, anytime you get a set of, quote, unquote, facts, like, mm. this is the way things are. This is the concrete reality that we live in. Your mind is able to think outside of that realm. And so, naturally, it's going to spiral out further sometimes. You're like, ooh, that was weird. Mm. What the hell was I even thinking about that one? Right, right. You zone out, right? You zone out into like this other space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I find myself in that space more often than I feel like I need to be as far as like the zoned out end of it. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I think we're all, we all have more or less these things. So going back to how, if you don't mind me asking how you found yourself, because uh, we went off on a, a, a beautiful tangent, but going back to how you found yourself in the van was it a, a panic situation? Was it a um, you need to like be by yourself situation? Was it like a dark tunnel? Was it over a relationship? Was it, um, you know, you tell me, was you know, any of those, you know, pick A, B, C, D, or E, none of the above, or fill in the blank? Well, it's, if, the, only, the, only way, the only way to really know is if I just tell the story. Yeah. So I am, I, I don't even want to see, I don't even know. Hmm. Game. <laughs> uh, so last September, last September, I, I kind of had had enough of my life, and I tried to kill myself. Is kind of what happened, actually. Yeah. Um, and and I know to some this is a complete and total surprise. To others uh, that I've talked to, close friends and family, uh, I know y'all already know. But um, yeah, no, it was I was having a rough time. And not only with like relationships, uh, with my job, you know, with my career, my life goals, I found, I found in the moment that I had just, I was living in an apartment, you know, I liked my roommates, but there was some situations there that I just couldn't stand. And I didn't, rather than, rather than be more of an adult and just choose to leave, I instead kept trying to fight and fight and get other people to change the way they are. And that's just not possible. That's one thing everybody needs to know. Like you cannot change people, no matter how much bitching and complaining you do about their behavioral characteristics, people don't change. And so when you find yourself in a place expecting people to make different decisions for you, it's just not going to happen. And I don't hold, I don't, I, you know, I, for, for a while I held it against 
many people, not just not just uh, the the people in question, but you got you kind of gotta let that stuff go because people don't change, and that's okay. That's that's what makes them them. That's what makes them interesting. You know, it makes them special, special in their own kind of way. But uh, between that and then like feeling incompetent at my job, you know, new in the film industry and in the union, I, it was times I had no idea what I was doing. And not everybody is, um, how, how, how do I put that? Not, not everybody is as receiving to a new person as someone else would be. Uh, when you have a way that you've been doing things for years and someone shows up and they have no idea what they're doing and now you have to go and teach this fucker what they're supposed to be doing, you can't do that. It takes away from your ability to do your job. And I totally get that. You know, but there's a part of my personality that's like, well, uh, nobody likes me. I'm no good at this. I hate my home, you know, and I was working on some music at the time and music was not going the way I wanted it. It's like all the things that I personally had found myself wanting to do and wanting to be part of. The other side of it was like, I felt like I wasn't good at any of them anyway. So what is a person who can't do, even do the things that they, that they love and find happiness in that? You know, as far as I was concerned at that time, I was a waste of carbon. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like do a simple thing, like go down to the grocery store and grab myself some food for, a, for like a, a cheeseburger, a favorite meal, because I was feeling guilty at the time about eating meat. Because there are people like, oh, eating meat's bad. And, you know, so I put all these things in my head about like how I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to live out this certain life. And, you know, at some point, I'm, and I'm not saying that you can't slowly work on things and become a better person. But at some point, you have to realize that if you're living on a regular basis, someone else's reality, you can find yourself in a very dark place. And that's where I found myself, you know. And so I did some things. The next couple of days, I ended up in a mental hospital for a while. And that was a whole other bizarre experience. Actually, it was very interesting. Really? Yeah, it was very fascinating because I, I like to think of myself as a pretty even-keeled individual. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have my wild, wild nights here and there where someone's like, hey, man, you want to go drink until 4 in the morning? I'm like... Hell no, but I'll go anyway. Let's do it. You know, that's it's that, it's that, it's that other voice, right? Yeah. Um, but I know the, 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 the mental hospital is very interesting because it, it was very enlightening to my own judgments on other people. You know, we think that people who are end up in mental hospitals have like mental disease or they're really screwed up. But no, most of them were in a very similar situation that I was. You know, they're really, they're having a hard time in life. You know, some people from the military who had PTSD, you know, they just, just wanted to have a good couple nights sleep couldn't do that because all they kept on seeing was you know war war right. war every day right. you know and i think a lot of people have trauma you know women who've been victims of men to put it simply you know yeah. Yeah. um you know, there, there's some of that in there alcohol is a big is a big one and then, then of course there's some mental illness like outright you know but um but being in there was very enlightening to that and then also looking at myself and going okay you know what you got some things you got to work on, man, and you cannot deny them anymore because otherwise this is going to be the result, you know, and you don't want that. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in that position, but you know, if you're not willing to, to stand up for, for yourself and like do things that make you happy. Afterwards, when I got out, I, you know, I was like me and the roommates, we have, we, 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 we had a conversation. I was like, all right, I'm taking off. I'm going to leave. And um, how long I, were you uh, there for? How long were you in the mental hospital for? About a week. About a week. Okay. Yeah, about a week. It wasn't. It was like five or six days, something like that. But I took it hard. You know, it was. It was. It was. It was very. It was a lot of self-searching. A lot. A lot of soul-searching stuff. I'll mm -hmm. Tell you what, though, man, the psychiatrist there, she'd come in in the morning and be like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "I'm doing good. I'm ready to leave. I gotta get out of here. You guys gotta let me out of here." It's like, well, you know, you just did this a couple days ago. I was like, I get that. 
but like, I feel better now, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you've been refusing medicine. I was like, yeah, I don't need your drugs. And she's like, well, you know, if you're not going to take the medicine, you better, you have to blah, 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 like all these courses and stuff. So I took, I was going to like the class on a daily basis that they have there, you know, like t- trying to figure out what your stuff is, where you're at, blah, blah, blah. But uh, next day she comes in, she's like, I know she haven't taken the medicine that we suggest. And I was like, listen, I've had less than like five minutes of actual contact with you. And you think you know what's wrong with me enough to put a drug inside of me? Mm. I don't think that's even like fair. Look on her face was like a deer in headlights. And this went on for like several days, you know, like her coming back and trying to talk to me about, you know, how I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And she's like, well, you know, we think you have this disease. So we're going to prescribe this to you. And I was like, well, you know, I'm sorry, but again, now we've had maybe three days, three or four days going, and you've had less than two minutes a day talking to me. And you think, again, that you're going to just put something in my body? That's not happening. I'll tell you what. If you want, um, you can give me all the literature about what you think is wrong with me, along with why you think these drugs are going to be good for me. And I didn't get that literature. I was in the hospital for like several days, and I never got any of that stuff until I was leaving walking out the door then they gave me the stuff oh we think you should be on this for like nine months for this reason blah blah blah, because we think you have this i was like cool i really appreciate this information but while i'm here inside your little prison why didn't you give me this stuff before you know mm-hmm. i'm clearly i'm clearly an articulate individual you don't try to have to hide stuff and be sneaky i just felt like the whole and that's that's the other half that i felt like the whole situation was very i don't know it was very insidious like once they get drugs in you, they start testing on you and then you're stuck in the hospital for weeks at a time because they got your brain all fucked up and full of all sorts of crap they created in some lab somewhere. Do you feel from your perspective being there in the class that you were, you were at, I picture the class are like a big round circle of chairs kind of situation. Yeah. Do you feel that other people are having the same experiences with medications or having no control of what they were giving them? There were some absolutely there that were in that situation and some yeah. of them looked terrified to be there yeah. some people are terrified to be there for you know there was there was one individual there who would get calls on the phone it's like phones in in, in there that that they, people on the outside can call you one individual kept getting calls and they would scream over the phone at the people on the other end like you've destroyed my life you've done this to me you know uh, uh, and now they want to like try to give me drugs and they're not gonna let me leave and they were just crying and crying and crying. And I felt so bad because when I got in there, the first thing I did was like, okay, this is not situation. Because I thought I was, the reason I went to the hospital was I thought I was going to just talk to a therapist because I was just having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the hospital, as soon as you walk in that door and explain to any of them what happened, you ain't leaving. They got you. Wow. You ain't going anywhere. And I didn't know that. I thought I was going to go in there and maybe have a conversation with somebody, talk about my bad day and like maybe get a therapist and like figure some stuff out. No, nah, man, they got me. They trapped me in there, asked me a bunch of questions. Like, how does this have anything to do with what's going on? I just want to like vent about my, about, you know, what's going on. I need some empathy from somebody. I need somebody just, just to talk to and listen. You just want to have like, a one-on-one therapist. Exactly. And they're like, right. oh yeah, no, don't worry. You're going to have that. Oh yeah. Just ask this one more question. And of course I was like, all right, well, man, this is, I feel like this is going nowhere. I just want to leave. He's like, oh, sorry, you can't leave. You know, you're now here in the situation. And I was like, what do you mean I can't leave? It's like, well, we can either admit you or you can admit yourself. And I was like, well, I think I'll admit myself then. I was so angry. Oh, I was so angry. I've never been more angry in my life. I felt, I felt, I felt lied to, cheated, you know, deceived by people who are supposed to be helping people. You know what I mean? 
I don't, I have a huge trust issue in general with authority because people of authority often want to take advantage of people. And personally, in this situation of the mental hospital, and it's not always, but more often than not, I think there's a lot of doctors in there that are paid to prescribe people drugs and get them on medication to get them in the system to keep this thing rolling. It's the same as the prison system. It's just different. Mm. You know, like these judges that try to get as many people in the prison as possible because it makes money. You know, and that's a known thing. In the, in the psychiatric world, mental hospitals, I'm sure it's very much the same. That's not to say that people don't have mental disabilities. Okay, I, don't want, I don't want that to be misconstrued. Because I, 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 live with, I, I live with somebody, I know somebody very close to me who has a mental disability, and they struggle with it and fight with it every day. One of the most powerful individuals I know personally. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, but I've seen, I've seen that side of it where it's, it's more often than not necessary. But there's some situations where people get up in there and they say the wrong thing to some doctor and they go, money, bingo, perfect. I want to say that um, if, I, if I agree or disagree, that um, listeners may agree, also agree or disagree, and that's cool too. And, right. I, and I, I will welcome anyone's thoughts on this matter uh, regarding mental hospitals, regarding the judicial system, anything that you mentioned. Uh, right, just you, remember, this is all my opinion. This, this is, is all your my, opinion. This is not a fact. This is all this, you know, research these things. It's just my observation yeah. and speaking to other people who've had similar observations about situations like this. You know, we don't, we don't live in a homeopathic society. We don't. Mm. Plain and simple. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, by the way. For those of you listening, under all this COVID stuff, get a vaccine, you know, wash your hands. You know, there, there are things that I do 100% believe in, but there's other stuff that I need a lot more convincing. Okay, that that, that's cool. That's understandable. Did you walk yourself into the hospital or did someone bring you? Uh, I was, I was accompanied by a friend mm. who was, who was helping mm. me, who like gave me a ride there and helped me. in. When they accompanied you, did they walk in with you or did they just drop you off and say, okay, go ahead. No, they definitely walked in with me, walked in with me and helped help tell the story of what had happened. Mm. And yeah, yeah. I wasn't exactly thrilled. I wasn't, I was cool with going, thinking I was going to talk to a therapist, but I was not cool with what happened and being stuck in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I like to like try to see my own fate as much as possible in, in, in my hands. I think it's a very human thing and a very important thing to try to maintain for all people to give them the opportunity to make their own decisions within a set of boundaries. You know? When you were there, when you were sleeping, you had a private room, I, I assume. <laughs> no. No, Not man. a private room. You had a semi-private no. room. I was in there with this guy. Honestly, he was cool as shit, except yeah. for the fact that he was extremely paranoid. We had a long... It took me several days to, like, gain his trust. Mm. But once I got it, you know, we started talking. Like, one day I was like, so what do you like to do, man? He's like, nothing. Mm. I was like, all right, that's cool. You ever play video games? He's like, yeah. He like perked up for the first time. I'd ever seen the guy like respond in a way that was, you know, uh, uh, reciprocating to the conversation. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, me too, man. I like to play like Mario, Nintendo. He's like, I was like, how about you? He's like, well, yeah, man, I like to play Mario too. That's pretty cool. One thing led to another. All of a sudden he's like talking to me all the time now. It was wow. so cool. And he, he wouldn't talk or look at other people at all. But he talked to me, listened to me, looked at me. It was, it was neat after a while, like, working with him. But uh, I felt, you know, it was very interesting. In, in that time, I felt like I could totally take on another career change, just go be a social worker and help people who otherwise don't trust anybody. And I don't blame him, you know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but I, I, I thought about that. I was like, man, maybe I should go to like social work or therapy because I'm like listening to people in situations like that. Yeah. But, uh, and then, and then, then the conversation turned to the weird. I was like, ah, oh, this is why you're in here. I understand now. Oh, okay. I was like, so, you know, what are you going to do when you get out? He's like, man, I don't want to do anything. As soon as you do something, they're going to come find you and they're going to take it from you. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I don't know. What do you want to be? I was like, well, I mean, I want to be like a music. I want to be like a famous musician. He goes, oh, that's the worst thing you could be, man. As soon as you write the song, dude, they're going to give you all that money. Then there's going to be people at your front doorstep. They're going to be all trying to like look at everything in your life. They're going to come and try to take your house. They're trying to come and try to get your money. He's not wrong. And that's the thing about it. Like, he's obviously, he was obviously very paranoid, but like the things he was saying, I was like, you're not wrong. I was like, well, you know, how about, you know, how about like having a house? He's like, dude, you don't want a house. As soon as you have a house, dude, people are going to be trying to get in your house and take your stuff and break in and steal it and mess it all up. I was like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Mm. It's like, well, how about cars? He's like, a car? That's just a death machine, man. You just get in that thing and you go to your death. You go to some building in the middle of a city full of people. They're all going to their deaths too. They're just like doing the same thing every day. It's all just meaningless, man. Like working some job that doesn't matter. I was like, well, man, I can't argue with that either. <laughs> but it was, it was funny the way he put stuff, how like everything from his point of view was a doorway to death death or like misery or like the ultimate end i was like well how about this bed right how about this other bed here in the room he's like that appears to be a bed but you don't know dude as soon as you lay in that bed and go to sleep they take your whole body man they put a new brain in your body it's not even you you better watch out when you get out of this mental hospital too you're gonna go back to your apartment the people there that that are supposed to be your 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 roommates they aren't your roommates man they're not your roommates at all dude all those people they've had their brains taken out they put in new brains the government has put in robots they're just robots man they're not even real so am i talking to am i talking to ty right now or am i talking to ty robot you have to (laughs) right right exactly i mean well i don't know dude as soon as as soon as this podcast ends, the next time we run into each other, I'm not even going to be the same person, dude. Okay. The government's going to have taken me. They're going to have put in like a whole new set of programming, and I'm going to appear to be a tie. Well, sometimes you there's a – appear to be. Sometimes there's digital glitches in that conversation, so I don't know if that's the, uh, the Zoom uh, or if it's uh, the, the tie robot. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. When you When you're in the hospital, did the call of the void ever speak to you when you were there for that week? Man, I just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. I just wanted to be – I didn't want to be in there. That's all I wanted. So you said you come out, you get out, they give you the papers, you come out, you see your friends, your, your roommates, your housemates. Yeah. You have this guy's voice in your head. Did any of <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other people. There was other individuals. Oh, there yeah, too. there's other people because you had your classes, right? You had your circle of, of uh, there people. There was like there. probably 15 people in there total. Hmm. Mix of, a mix of men and women. Mix of men and women. Okay. And did he say the thing he said about the house? Did he alter uh did you reflect on what he what he said about the house and is that why you thought about the van situation no 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 no, 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 no. no. okay not at all nothing like that although you know now that you're saying it maybe maybe there was something to him and what he said that could have very well changed some of the circuitry in my brain i could entertain that idea very easily because i do believe that nothing is a coincidence everyone we meet you know like we were talking about earlier with like taking a single line from a movie or a yeah. single line from an individual, a single part of some experience can totally play into the way you structure your life going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, mm-hmm. like this one experience of being inside of a mental hospital, because I'd been inside a mental hospital before, mm-hmm. but not because I was in there. I went and visited people who were in there 
and watched them in their situation was like, wow, that sucks. That'll never happen to me. You know, like, as we often think, oh, that thing over there that I'm looking at, that's too bad that's happening to those people over there. That would never happen to me. You know, which is kind of scary way of thinking because it's kind of how I think we think as a society. And it's probably how we're in the situation we're in right now is because, oh, that, that virus over there, that was just, that's, that's some Chinese thing. That's what they're dealing with. It's over there. That's sad that that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Well, now where are we? I think it's very similar to the type of, um, it is called lack of accountability. It's like mm-hmm. a lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. Thinking that other people's problems are other people's problems. They don't concern you, that you're immune to that type of thing. It's the, it's the, it's the belief of I'm immune to, to that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you're not. And I'm immortal. You know, and there's people out there that are probably thinking, oh, see, I always knew Ty was crazy. I knew he was going to end up in the middle of the hospital. And you're probably right. That doesn't mean you ain't going to be there one day, too. So you better watch yourself. Yeah. You have a wrong, you have a bad couple of days, you know? Bad, it just takes a bad couple of days to throw, to throw what you would normally call a normal life into the shitter. You know, I mean, I, I met this guy a little while back, one of the funniest people I've ever met. And for the first couple of days, we're hanging out, partying, hanging out, doing stuff. And then he comes back. He's like, man, my wife just like took off. And I watched him like have to deal with this like mental thing over his head in like a day instantly. His wife is gone. He's losing his children. He's having like fight with all these lawyers and all this bullshit. But that's how fast it happens. You know, it's not, you know, you, you, what you think is coming to you ain't coming to you if it ain't coming to you. You know what I mean? And if you're not, I will say if you're not mentally prepared for that, it could be, it could be heavy. But I don't think there's any way to really prepare for that. There's really not. You know? Right. I don't think there's any way to mentally prepare for anything. You can just kind of, you can work on yourself and just be the best you can be. And then hope that when you run into a situation, you learn how to cross that bridge or you learn from it and you learn and you find that there's another bridge crossing the same river, you know? But all this is to say that when it was all said and done, I was, I was sitting down with myself and I was like, well, I can go and try to live in, in another apartment, pay $1,000, $1,200 a month, New York City rent. Or, you know, what have you always wanted to do? You know, one of my dreams in life, and I remember it explicitly. Cause I was, uh, I was, I was camping. I was camping with my, like my family are backpackers. We used to go camping as kids. You grew up like that. That's your lifestyle. You knew that you're so familiar with it and comfortable with it. That was your childhood. Oh, that was everything. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. so incredibly familiar with it. Yeah. Um, which is funny. Cause when I got back, when I got back to Texas, my dad was like, you know, I'm really proud of you. You like, when all this happened, you like jumped into your instincts and like went up in the woods. I was like, hell yeah, dude, that's, it's kind of funny. I hadn't really thought about the, the, the gravity of that, but yeah, I definitely, my, my gut reaction was, all right, prepare to get in the woods because if the city goes sideways, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to like, you gotta be able to survive outside of you know, the rest of civilization. Realistically, that's not going to happen. You know, where are you going to run over the top of the mountain to the next highway? We don't live in that world anymore, you know? Right. And that's not to say there's people that don't live up in the mountains. Because they do. I got friends that live in Colorado, and they tell me about the, the, the woodsies who come out of the woods to get provisions, then they go back into the woods. The woodsies. Mm-hmm. There's people, that, they're like the mountain people. They, mm. they, they'll come out of the woods like a backpack, all gruff-looking. They'll come and buy some provisions and then disappear back into the forest and come out like six weeks later. Wow. But they live out there. They're out there. I've heard some stories. But yeah, uh, so, see, well, wait, what was it? That's another podcast. That's another show. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no what were we talking about before? It was, it was with the van. Oh, yeah. Right. So coming from a camping, um, a camping uh, family, I remember we were at this campground once, and there were these hippies in this van, you know, three or four people. What, and to me, it looked like they were living in the van. So I was like, hey, Dad, what's up with these people in this van? Like, oh, it's probably hippies. They probably live in the van. They probably travel around. You know, they're not brown to anything. They do whatever they want. And I was like, I'm going to do that someday. No, you don't want to do that. That's crazy. You don't want to go, 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 go become a, um, a hippie gypsy. I was like, eh, maybe you're right. And for years, that was my response. Eh, maybe you're right. Whenever I would get the idea to go do that. So this time I was like, you know what? Fuck all y'all. I've just been jumping through your hoops and wanting to kill myself. So why the fuck would I continue doing that? I'm not going to go get another apartment for $1,000 a month, pissing away cash for no reason to some landlord who's going to raise the rent, done fix shit, lets rats and roaches run the place. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to buy a van. I'm going to live in that van. It's going to be awesome. And honestly, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life yeah. amongst many others, but mainly because I had chosen to do what I wanted. I wasn't, I didn't worry about what other people thought in, in that moment. It didn't matter. I was now Ty the Van Guy, and that was awesome. Ty the Van Guy. Now, many people could argue that, yeah, it's because you're mentally ill and ended up in a hospital for, like, depression and need to, like, get your life back together and get, and get back on the program. You need to get the teeth back in your mouth, you know, get you back in the matrix. I'm not going back to this, no way. Mm. Not a chance. So when you first, when you got the van, was it a new van? Did you go to a, to a... No, man. No. I got on Craigslist. <laughs> you got on Craigslist. You got a Craigslist van. So Craigslist, people are always wary of Craigslist. And rightfully so, because there's some shady ass motherfuckers on there. Yeah. But Craigslist is one of my favorite places. I have bought and sold so much stuff off Craigslist. Yeah. You just got to know what you're doing. You can't just roll in, do whatever you want. So I meet this guy... It's got this van for sale. I, I was looking at, I looked at a bunch of them and I found this one had 84,000 miles on it. It's a Dodge Ram. It's the one I have. And I started looking up on the internet. Okay. What happens at 80,000 miles? Which checkups need to be done? What happens at 90,000? Which happens at 100,000? What happens at 70,000, 60,000? So when I show up to talk to the guy, I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't see anything leaking. I was wondering if you have the paperwork for when this van was serviced. It's at 84,000 miles. So do you have the 80,000 miles service? Uh, 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 a receipt? Mm. Oh, no, I don't got that. Mm. You have the 70,000 mile service receipt? Oh, no, I got that. Mm. Well, uh, you're asking three grand for this. I don't know, man. Like, Dodgers at 100,000 miles have a lot of problems. That's why a lot of people probably haven't bought your van because it was up for quite some time before I actually got it. I was like, and you don't have any, like, the, you don't have any of the stuff that says when it was last done, when this was last done, when that was last done. I'm looking at the tires, a little bit worn, you know, so I, I did the thing when you go yeah. buy a used car, you look at it and you're like, I don't know, man, this thing looks yeah. way more beat up. In reality, I'm looking at it and going, holy shit, there's no leaks on the engine. The interior is pretty much pristine. Uh, the outside is a little bit beat up, but that's good because that means you no have to play the game. I played yeah. the game, you know? Yeah. And so I told the guys, look, man, I'll give you like $1,800 for this. He's like, oh, it's pretty low. I was like, I know, but like I'm telling you, it's got almost 100,000 miles on it. There's going to be a whole bunch of work coming up. It's the best I can offer. And I'm and between you and me, I'm gonna use this van to live in. You know, this is this is a dream of mine. He's like, really? It's like, yeah, man. It's like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. That was the first time in, on my van adventure that I heard that, and really? I've heard it hundreds of times afterwards. So many people are like, what? You live in a van now? Man, I've always wanted to do that. That's so cool. And I started to realize that, oh, that's right. The things that I do like are things that people like. And not, and that's not that that's really a huge concern, but it's not weird. Right. You know, I think in maybe 
certain circles it'd be weird, but for me, it's normal. It's a normal way of being because it's the way that I am to be. It's the way that I feel normal. I don't feel weird living in a van. Right. You know, to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right. There's no normal. I think possibly you're hearing people saying, oh, that's what I've been wanting to do. Because I feel that once you do something or once you believe in something, that that thing becomes a lot more apparent to you. Um, You have a new hobby. All of a sudden, everyone you see has that same hobby kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's like... um, I want to add this to it. You also see what's possible. Mm. Because when, when, when something is over there, you know, like we were talking about, like I was talking about earlier, when something's over there, it seems impossible here. Right. Oh, I see some people living in a van. Oh, that must be such a difficult thing. I could, I, I could never do that. I mean, I would like to, but I could never do that. Yeah. But then when you're in it, you're like, oh, wow, this was a piece of cake. All this time, I should just, why, why haven't I been doing this my entire life? Right. You know? But observations like that, right. I think in life, when you, when you see somebody else do something, it makes it slightly more possible. Yeah. So when people see me do it, they say, wow, oh, oh, see, it is possible. I wish I could do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, did you get it for the eighteen hundred? Hell yeah, I did. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought it before when you were first starting to. You entered the city in the van, and you couldn't find a place to park, and it was scary. You've told me, and when we're on a job together, we weren't in the best neighborhoods, and you were in the street, you know, sleeping on in the van in the street, and um, I I suggested to you to write, start writing a book, Tales from the Van, because you had so many stories. There was someone, like, I think they were, like, picking their teeth in your side mirror or something. No, doing drugs. Oh, no, no, no. That guy was shooting heroin into shooting his Shooting heroin. Neck. Not picking teeth. I my car. Shooting oh, heroin. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, man. It was in Chelsea. I'm parked over in Chelsea at a Thanksgiving party. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I leave the party and I head to my van. And, of course... You know, when you live in a van, the horror story is you're going to roll up to your van, it's going to be a broken window, and you know a bunch of shit's going to be stolen. I've already accepted that fact. I know that's inevitable. Like, you, you, can't, you can't get away from that. Those who've never had it happen are just lucky. Mm. But uh, so I'm rolling to the van. I see a guy with a flashlight looking in. I'm like, oh, man, here it goes. Here's a guy to confront somebody. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to because it's my house. I have to. And the guy sees me pull my keys out. He goes, hey, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, come here, buddy, hey, buddy. I was like, no, no, man, I'm good. He's like, no, no, come look, look. Your van, your van. Hey can I use your mirror? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, man, whatever. So like, I open up the side door, I jump and I close the curtains. Right. And I hear, what the hell's going on? So I open up the curtains, I'm looking, and he's got my, got my driver's side mirror cocked out sideways. And he's like looking in his mouth with a flashlight. I'm like, what the heck is this all about? Close the curtains. Huh. Open the curtains back up. And next thing I see, this dude pulls out a needle, I swear to God. Sticks it right in his neck. It's like, ah, 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 ah. pulls the needle out, tosses it sideways, runs around the van, kind of looks left, looks right, and goes, uh, thanks, bro. Runs <laughs> around, picks up his backpack, and then like disappears in, into the New York darkness. Wow. Now, this entire time, there's like police cars going around in circles, like patrolling the area. They didn't see none of this shit going on. But I think it's because New York is just so full of that, yeah. that it's not, it's not weird, man. Like it didn't, it was one of those things that to me was somewhat traumatizing, like yeah. witnessing this like firsthand less than six feet from me, 
yeah. on the side of my van. But on the other hand, I was like, yeah, well, sometimes you got to get high. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> one of your many tales. That is, it is one of my van tales. Yeah. The other was that like weird rap video that was shot with all the gangsters in that cul-de-sac I parked in one night. That was wild. I kept waking up, all these cars would roll up and like 200 dudes jump out with like waving guns and cameras, like banging rap music and making music videos. It was wild. I couldn't, I didn't sleep that, that night. And that was on the street where you're, where you're parked in your van, sleeping in your yeah. van. I was thinking the entire time, oh my God, someone's going to like bust out my windows. They're going to try to tear my, my van up. Yeah. And then I'm going to get shot. But, you know, I don't really worry about that because if I was, if I'm going to get, I'm already on borrowed time for all, all intents and purposes of my long aforementioned story earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so every day, every day is a gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. You know, where they say the, uh, it's from the, that movie Kung Fu Panda, the past, uh, the past has already happened. The future, the future you don't know about. It's on, it, like, it's, it's an unknown quantity. And today is a gift and that's why they call it the present yeah yeah i think kung fu panda made up that 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 quote <laughs> yeah yeah no that's what it says yeah it's from kung fu panda it's great it's such it's a great movie if you haven't seen kung fu panda you totally should jack, well, black, is a genius. I, jack black is a genius i think that quote came before kung fu panda but if you remember it as kung fu panda that's a beautiful way to go and right, uh, right. i'm sure it came before kung fu panda but and, and again it's one of those movies where it, you find that one line that sticks with you and then you hold on to that doesn't matter mm -hmm. where it came from I'm sure a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the heart did not come from Second Sight, which was a uh, 1990, 89, 1990 movie. Well, that's beautiful. And I, and I think your, your accidents, each time you learn something from it. If it was your fault or his fault or, you know, whatever it may be, you mm, definitely... Some places just compassion. Compassion. You know, like you get in a wreck and the first thing is like, well... Oh, I wrecked this thing, whether it's a car or motorcycle, whatever. I wrecked this. I'm such an idiot. How could I have done that? Blah, blah, blah. Like, beat yourself up. Yeah. Show yourself some passion. Nobody's perfect, you know? Or like, or the other side is like, oh, that person really screwed up. How could they have fucked up my day? You know, is that, is that how you want to live your life? You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to driving specifically, everything is your fault. Even if someone else hits you, you, weren't, you didn't see them enough to get out of their way. Even if it's their fault. You know, that's why insurance companies will still raise your premium if somebody else causes you a wreck. Mm -hmm. So there's so much more I want to talk about. There's so much more I want to dig into and take apart and, and listen to more Tales from the Van. Um, and you could have your own podcast of just Tales from the Van, I'm sure. <laughs> I want to find a partner, someone who wants to be, to all the single ladies out there, want to come and live in a van with a mentally ill individual? Yeah, that's, uh, you put that on Craigslist. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's up a Craigslist special. Sorry, uh, I'm Craigslist special. You are the Craigslist special. Um, what you brought up before, you brought this up before about normal and weird. Living in a van is your normal. That is it. And other people actually wish it was their normal as well. What does normal, the word normal, the concept of normal, the thought of normal, the adjective of normal? What does normal mean to you? You can take as long as you want. I'm going to stare at your beautiful smile as you think. I guess normal is, normal is your acceptance of whatever your day-to-day -day is. So I guess what I mean by that is whatever you choose to accept as the reality that you're living in that is going to repeat itself, that's normal. You know, and I think there's, you know, I'll use, I'll give you a couple examples. 
I know people as the nomad that I am. Uh, I get to, I have the, what I call the privilege of, the privilege of the transient, um, what I've come to call, privilege of the transient, you, you meet lots of people in different places and you like learn about individuals. Um, you always meet new ones. But you hear people, th- this phrase is thrown out often, man, it's just the same shit, different day. You know, or like, oh, yeah, that happened to me again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yep, that's just, that's just how it goes in my life. Like that has become normalized. So in some cases, it's individuals who are, <laughs> so <laughs> one of my best friends, we had a mutual acquaintance. And, you know, I told him, hey, I just hung out with her again. You know, he's like, how's she doing? It's like, oh, she's doing good. You know, same thing. She's dealing with a bunch of, dealing with a bunch of stuff. And she was telling me all about this and that. He goes, yeah, she's God's punching bag. I was like, what do you mean God's punching bag? He goes, yeah, God's punching bag. You know, the people in life that like, no matter what they do, they're just always having a bad day. Like everything horrible has happened to them at, at, at all times. It's like, it's as if God is just using them as the example for humanity of like, look, this is how horrible I can make your life is. You know, God's wow. punching bag. And I was like, dang, yo, that's harsh as fuck. But I've always thought that was kind of funny because I've met other people like that, that, you know, I look at their situation, I'm like, man, if I was in a situation, God, I could like, I could make, I could make gold out of this situation. But at the same time, the same could be said about me. Other people say, wow, if I was in your situation, I'd make gold out of that too. And I'm like, oh, but I'm suffering for these reasons. And so that kind of becomes a normalized thing in your life to whatever you decide to accept. So I do think it's very much a decision, you know, and some people will say, oh, well, you know, due to these criteria that are, un- that are unchangeable criteria, you know, I-, I can't get out of this situation. And that's because you've accepted that way. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of people can get out of a lot of situations if they choose to make a different one. You know, like my, one of the biggest observations that I've learned after having, you know, uh, uh, moved, moved into a van is I don't have the same spending habits now. When I had a place to stay, I had a huge room that I need to fill full of shit that I don't need, you know? So I now have a bank account full of money. That's the first time in my entire life I've ever had a savings. I've, I've, I've never once in my life had a savings account with more than like $1,000 in it because I was always buying the next thing, getting the next thing, which, you know, going back to programming is a very normal American way to be mm-hmm. you know you got to keep up with the joneses oh but look what so-and-so just has oh but look at the new thing that just came out i for the first time in my life bought a new iphone a couple weeks ago because my old iphone finally died before then i had only bought used iphones off craigslist for like 50 60 bucks because it's it's just a tool mm. but with all the new technology coming out and i had a lot of money laying around i was like well you know what i think i'm gonna treat myself to a nice brand new phone so I can like not only do Skype calls, but not have to deal with bad signal problems because of old technology doesn't receive a lot of the new, the new signals. Right. So, but there was, there's still, um, God, what was the word I used the other night? I tend to only buy functioning, a functional item. Like I, you, you, you'll never find me at Hobby Lobby buying one of those little plaques that says live, laugh, love that I'm going to stick in my bathroom. I don't need that shit. That's it's garbage. It's just, and, and, and there's a whole world of that kind of garbage. And that's not to say you shouldn't buy artwork or that, you know, there's artwork out there that you can add to your life to make it more beautiful depending on your situation. But like for me, that's not where I derive my happiness from. And therefore my normal, as to keep it on, uh, on task, is 
I have to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in people and places, conversations and, and, um, and experiences, you know, that to me fills me up. You could give me all the gifts in the world, but if none of them actually function within the construct of how I'm living my life, thanks for the gift. I'm probably going to give it to a friend, you know, and I've started to do that. I've given away so much stuff because it's not, it's not really mine. You know, my mother says this often, oftentimes when you get something or you buy something, you might not even be buying it for yourself and you just don't know that yet. Mm. That's a beautiful sentiment. The one thing you, you said is deriving happiness from. Do you derive happiness from certain things? Where does happen? Where did you derive happiness from? Well, and see, that's funny that, that you said it from like that because, and I, and I'm, and I, may have, I may have said this, um, I think often as with going back to the idea of being programmed, we're often programmed to think that we derive happiness from the things that we buy, from the things that we own. And I, of course, postulate to say that I derive the happiness from going and doing something. Now, does that mean that the happiness comes from doing the thing or like spending time with an individual or going to a new place? I, I don't know. I think, I think when asked in, in, in the way you just did, I think happiness is something you have to create. It's something that we create internally and, 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 and build around ourselves. So I guess to tie that in, it would be I'm creating that experience. And by creating that experience, I'm being expressive and that causes happiness. I don't think happiness is something that you like achieve and then hold on to. It's something that you have to, to water and nurture, just like a garden. You know, you have to like grow, you have to grow your happiness flower and continually grow it, you know, uh, and you have to do that every day. You have to do that every day you wake up. You have to look at, you have to look at yourself and say, hey, what kind of day are we going to have today? Are we going to be trying to grow the garden or are we going to piss in it? You know, because you can do both and very mm -hmm. easily, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it happens. And some days you want to, you want to, you want to, you really, really, really want to grow the flower and you can't. Yeah. You just, the only thing you have is urine and you just want to piss on your yeah. entire life. Yeah. That just happens. Yeah. That is completely true. And I feel like sometimes there are no flowers to grow or I don't have the seed or there's reeds and I need to get rid of the weeds. I don't have a weed whacker. Um, the flowers are being choked by the weeds. You know, there is no bees to pollinate, you know, all these other things. But let me tell you something. Let me just be very honest. When you just said that, when you just said my happiness flower, and even when I'm saying it now, that every morning, and I'm, and I'm, you just said it, but I'm paraphrasing, that every morning you want to grow your happiness flower. How am I going to grow my happiness flower? How am I going to water my happiness flower? That gives me like a chill. Like, like I feel it. I have a knot in my back right now. <laughs> the, the, it's gone. It's gone now. Yeah, it's gone. It's perfectly gone. You're like <laughs> yeah. a magical wizard. <laughs> Boom, gone. <laughs> Uh, but it, it kind of, well, it circulates, it goes around that knot and it kind of fills my back the happiness flower. So yeah. I want I would love to end on that. I want to end on right, happiness flower. Because yeah, well, when you wake up, if you're, if you, if you're familiar with gardening, yeah. you got to go outside and you got to check your plants. Yeah. You got to do the same thing for your heart yeah. and your soul. It's important. Yeah, man. Well, water that shit every day. <laughs> water the shit every day. Well, let's let's say water the. Uh, <laughs> that's a completely different sentiment. I don't get the chills when I think about that. Cut that out. <laughs> you must water the beautiful flower every day. The happiness flower. It, but you know, if it does wilt, you can always work on it. It will always come back. It can always mm. come back. You can't yeah. cheat. You can't use for. You can't use like those special chemicals to make it grow. It has to grow naturally. No, you can. You can do that. 
you can yeah. cheat. You, you can cheat. totally put chemicals in yourself. Yeah, people really? do that every people day. People do that. <laughs> yeah, they do. But then the next day, it wilts a little bit more, and you're further away from a true, a true, a true flower. Maybe, really. but it's a brighter flower. <laughs> it's brighter though. <laughs> Boy, it's full of drugs. That flower is glowing over there. Yeah, it explodes into fireball. Hey man, Ty, that was that was beautiful. Thank you so much. For... Man, I, I didn't plan on sharing some of that stuff, but it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter, and if it makes somebody else's life happy, yeah. that's what's important. That's what's important. I just want to say thank you, Ty. Thank you for this amazing conversation we had. My pleasure. What an amazing, incredible conversation, don't you think? I want to thank Ty Collins. Thank you for being brave to talk about what you did. Mental health is a serious thing. If you feel that depression is taking a hold of you, please seek professional help, or at least speak to someone, a friend or a family member, someone who you trust. If you have any thoughts or comments to share on anything we talked about, please feel free to post on the Facebook page, email to email wnwgs at gmail.com. That's E-M-A-I-L-W-N-W-G-S at gmail.com or leave a voicemail. And now, please enjoy Ty Collins singing On the Musique, accompanied by Jesse Piper on piano. This one goes out to my pianist and dear friend who you're about to hear, Jesse Piper. Thanks for keeping me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. 